0: A Gruffalo? What's a Gruffalo? A Gruffalo? Why, didn't you know? Well, thank goodness, audiophiles, I can take a break from reading stories to my kids while they're home from school and talk about something I love for a change. It's this month's Big Finish Doctor Who monthly release. And you're listening to the sirens of audio. This is not the end. This is only the beginning. Well, g'day. G'day, it's not that bad, really. It's not so bad. I really do love reading to my kids over and over and over again uh, until I can read without looking at the words. I can just speak the story. I suppose that's what acting is, isn't it? <laughs> my name's Dwayne, and you're listening to The Sirens of Audio. Thank you for, for your company. It's, um, it's going to be a great show tonight. We're going to be looking at Doctor Who monthly range number 262, as I mentioned. It is called Subterfuge, written by the extremely talented Helen Goldwyn, who's going to be joining me very shortly to talk about that and many other projects that she does. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, that release, Subterfuge. We're also going to be having a closer look at Doctor Who and the Pirates, uh, having a few words to say about that too. Uh, also, uh, a big finish originals release called Atta Girl 2, uh, which is obviously a sequel to a Girl, um, which has just been released in the last month or so too. So very much looking forward to Helen coming on very shortly. But to start off, I want to mention to you that um, next week's show is in the can already. Uh, we've got a great show lined up. I've got uh, guest uh, Mark Cochram from Nerdology UK. He's uh, joined me for... Um, the next episode where we're going to be featuring The Kingmaker, one of his favourite Big Finish audios. And what a great audio it is too. So what I want to do is ask if, you, if you've if you got any feedback, please uh, let, let us know by going to anchor.fm of audio and you can leave up to 60 seconds of audio feedback. I'd love to hear from you. And uh, I can tack that onto the um, end of the episode and play that next week how's that sound good excellent right let's crack on with this uh episode today and uh, some big finish news well everyone has been affected by the coronavirus i'm not going to ignore that massive fat elephant in the room um everyone's being affected even big finish so they've announced that they're going to be um, standing down some of their warehouse stuff and uh, uh going to download first so all releases will be download first the cd or um the 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 hard copies will be mailed out at a later date um so that's that's good i mean most most businesses are doing the responsible thing in this difficult time and and big finish is no exception so that's so that's fantastic did you see the massive announcement that big finish is going to do a a new lost story version of return of the cyberman which is well, a story behind that i didn't even know that jerry davis had written a script robert holmes heavily rewrote it and turned it into revenge of the cybermen and apparently the story was quite different and big finish is going to re-release uh it or not re-release it but they're going to remake it or, or make the story that never was with tom baker return of the Cyberman. did you see the little video that came out on big finish's facebook feed and other feeds I think it might be on their website too, Can't, I'm not sure, but if you if you get a chance to have a look at the little video that went as a trailer for Return of the Cyberman, that is absolutely fantastic, I love it. So I'm l- really looking forward to that, a little bit confused they're announcing it so far in advance, it's not going to be out for another 18 months, so a little bit confused about that, but I was hoping it was a typo because I saw it and wanted to hear it straight away, so I'd be happy to wait till the end of the year, but I'm kind of I'm not going to have any fingernails left by the time November, December 2021 comes or whenever it was, end of 2021, they said they are going to release it. So maybe it's a typo. I don't know. Maybe it'll get rescheduled. They've also announced that due to coronavirus, a lot of their scheduling has been moved around. So there could be some releases that are brought forward, could be some that are pushed back. You know, these, these things happen, but we'll adapt and we've got so much output Always got some high-quality stuff to listen to, so uh, always got something good to look forward to every single month from Big Finish. Let's have a listen to the trailer for the story that we're going to have a closer look at this month's Big Finish Main Range release, Subterfuge. The TARDIS detected an anomaly. This is a very sensitive year. From Big Finish Productions, Doctor Who, Subterfuge. The screening of personnel at MI5 is exceptionally thorough. There's no way a spy could operate for that long inside the agency without Discovery. Whoever
1: he or she is, they are a traitor of the highest order. Who's with you? No one, you don't need that voice disguise. Get me what I need by tomorrow, or the deal's off. Everyone! Evacuate the area! There's a bomb in this truck!
0: I don't want to hurt you,
1: but I will, if I have to. We need to flush that blackguard out. Interesting how you spent the whole war with a double agent in the ranks and you'd no idea. Mr. Churchill? Yes, yes, it's me. Stay back. <laughs> I
0: think it was more along the lines than what we discussed, wasn't it? Trust me, you simply cannot
1: lose, Mr. Churchill. And post war Britain will be all the better for it. <laughs> Is that.
0: Churchill?
1: Doctor, what are you doing? We're going to save history. Big finish. We love stories. Meddling with Churchill's campaign?
0: Why?
1: This is Helen Goldwyn, and I wrote Subterfuge.
0: Well, thanks so much, Helen, for having a chat with me on The Sirens of Audio. It's a, it's a pleasure to have your company.
1: it's a pleasure to be asked it's always very flattering to be
0: asked to chat i was having a look through the big finish website and the amount of projects that you've had a hand in is absolutely incredible and of course knowing i was going to chat with you i went to the to the extras to see if you had anything to say on subterfuge and you weren't there so is that um a recording that you weren't at
1: that's right. Um, unfortunately, I couldn't go along to that recording, and, and usually the writer does try and go along on the recording days, but I, as a, because I work as a director for Big Finish as well, and I'm constantly writing scripts, um, I just was too busy. I had too much workload on, so I couldn't go to the studio that day, so I missed out. But I've just listened to it myself.
0: <laughs> That's a good, it's a good problem to have, uh, yeah, being too yeah. busy. Yeah,
1: yeah. Can't blame. <laughs>
0: Um, tell us about the, the the ideas for that story. Amazing story. What? How was it put to you by Big Finish? Was it your idea, um, all these elements, or were they put to you specifically?
1: Well, this was an unusual one. Normally they give me more standalone stories because I'm not um – hugely au fait with the canon of Doctor Who much as I'm a fan I'm not a mega fan like almost every other big Finnish person is so whenever I'm told to write for a particular doctor I don't have all that information automatically at my fingertips I have to go and do the research Um, so for this one Matt Fitton who is the um, editor um, on this one or producer I can't remember editor um, he uh, asked me to set it just after the election and he wanted me to have obviously churchill sixth doctor and um, sorry seventh doctor and um, the meddling monk in it and that the meddling monk's agenda was to help churchill win the election so that was the those were the parameters i was given and then i sat for almost a fortnight i think clutching my head thinking i don't know how to do this <laughs> Because there was so much research for me to do, because I had to work out where they were in the timeline, how how much do the the doctor and the meddling monk know each other? What's the relationship between the doctor and Winston Churchill? Because I hadn't watched or listened to all of those, um, and also all the research on what was happening in that, on that period in time in England after the war. You know, so it was a lot of reading and and researching. Also, I'm not very politically um, aware. I'm not someone who's ever really got that involved in in politics. And and so I learned a lot. I learned a lot about how socialism began in England, how the NHS began in England, because, of course, I had to look up about Clement Attlee and see what the meddling monk was trying to counteract. And, I mean, obviously, we can't be political uh, within Big Finish stuff. We're trying to stay neutral. But I had to make some commentary about the two sides of the argument. You know, one side is... Is going to be socialism for the UK, and the other side is conservatism. So, you know, uh, I learned a lot about how that all began. But yeah, I do love that era. I mean, it's very much uh, an era that I feel drawn to, and obviously, I've done a lot of research on on other projects. So, yeah, it's been very educational.
0: So, how long's the process? It was released last or this month how long ago did you start the writing process? Tell us about how long it actually takes for a project like this to start from the writing process to when it's released.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's no hard and fast rule um, because Big Finish is always planning quite far in, in advance. So there are some things. There's certainly one project that I've written that I think I wrote last year and that won't be released for another three years, I think. (laughs) <laughs> but that's, uh, that's something quite special. Uh, but for, in general, I would say you get the brief and then you write a treatment and then that treatment has to be approved by the BBC as well as the, our producer. So that can take a few weeks. And then you obviously have to write your 10,000 words for um, a one hour episode. But subterfuge was four eps, wasn't it? So that's 20,000 words. So I would allocate at least a couple of months for that because I'm doing other work in between as well. So you're looking to write, I don't know, 1,500 words a day minimum, more if you can. Um, But yeah, for me, the the treatment part is the hardest part, coming up with the plotting. That takes me a couple of weeks. And then after you've written it, it can take a few months for them to get into studio to record it. And then it can take another, anything from three to 12 months for them to release it. So it's a bit of a, you know, Uh, an unwieldy beast
0: (laughs) how would you compare the experience of writing just just writing the script as opposed to directing it how did you enjoy like you said to me you'd only just heard subterfuge how did you enjoy hearing that for the very first time well
1: i think i'm quite unusual as a writer because i don't feel precious about it at all once it's done I'm happy to hand it over to someone else and for them to interpret it as they see fit. So I never have a, a very prescribed version of how I think it should it should sound. So it's always a delight to hear someone else's take on it, and, and and often the the energy of it isn't quite what you expected, and that's always quite exciting for me. Somebody's interpreted your lines in a way that you didn't hear them in your head, and that's always quite pleasurable you know it doesn't bother me that that it's not how I how I visualized it um but yeah I mean this really they did such a fantastic job on this one and uh, obviously the sound effects are always amazing the music is always amazing you know our actors are brilliant the direction the pacing is great so yeah it's just a a pure pleasure to listen to I never ever listen and think oh I wouldn't have done it like that I'm happy to hand it over to someone else
0: and what did you think of um, particularly Ian McNeese and Rufus in their roles as as Churchill and the, the monk?
1: Well, I mean, the, the energy that Rufus brings to it and that manic laugh, <laughs> it's brilliant, isn't it? I mean, it's there's something otherworldly about that character that he's captured brilliantly. Um, and they clearly were having great fun together. And Ian McNeese, his inflection is... Is obviously what he studied for Churchill, and it's not um, your average delivery. It is a very uh, idiosyncratic way of speaking, and, and that's always quite exciting to hear as well. Oh, that's how Churchill would have probably said it. So yeah, it's uh, it's great to hear the energy between them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So so overall, you'd uh, you'd rate that as a pretty satisfactory release for you would you
1: I would uh with the you know with the addition to to say that uh, I really struggled with the script I mean I really it gave me a massive headache (laughs) I mean I I think that was one of the most challenging scripts I've had to write because of all the background stuff that was going on and all the double crossing and I had a whole wall full of yellow post-it notes trying to keep track of who knew what and who who knew what was going on and who had a relationship with who. And, yeah, it really fried my brain <laughs> in a way that others haven't. But, yeah, massively satisfying when you finish 20,000 words and you think, yeah, I think that's working. I think I got it.
0: Are you the kind of a person who will be offered a project and you just won't hesitate, you'll throw yourself into it no matter what the challenges might be?
1: I would say normally I, my motto is just say yes. Just say yes and, and take it on, uh, particularly if you're scared of it and trust that somehow you will manage it. <laughs> um, and generally in my life, that has worked for me. And I, there have been many, many times where I've been very scared and very anxious and with terrible imposter syndrome as well, where I think I can't write. Why have you asked me to write that? <laughs> um, but I would say last year I had one experience on a script. I won't say which one. And I said yes to it. And then I embarked upon it and realised it was beyond me. It was not my bag at all. And it's the first time in my life that I've encountered a situation where I think I'm actually not capable of, of doing this. I mean, I managed it, but I needed a lot of support from the editor and producer. And that was quite a lesson. The best part of it was that I felt that I had kind of failed even though we ended up with quite a decent script I felt it was the first creative failure I'd had but I got over it in a couple of days I think in the past I would have been devastated and thought oh that's it I can never write again (laughs) but on this occasion I thought well I've got enough of a body of work behind me to trust that I can write just on this occasion this wasn't my cup of tea this was not for me and I won't do that kind of script again.
0: You've got such a diverse uh back catalog of not just writing but you're very diverse uh in what you do i've looked if you look at your website (laughs) you do a bit of everything uh not just not just acting not just writing you do singing as well um and all different types of acting as well so um you've got yeah i think you should you should uh yeah definitely the imposter syndrome should get thrown out the door (laughs) For sure.
1: <laughs> I know. Well, you you say that, but we all kind of suffer from it to, to varying degrees. But the, but part of it is because of being perceived as a jack of all trades. You know, I have to keep telling myself it is possible to be a master of several trades, and that's what I'm aiming for all the time. Um, and I I don't diversify because I'm just having a go at different things. It's because I've got this enormous creative urge to express myself in different ways. And, and the eclectic nature of it is a big part of my personality. It has to be different, a different challenge each time. I don't want the same thing over and over again. Like I've got friends who've been in West End shows, in musicals. I've got one friend who's been in a, the same show for, for nearly 10 years, playing the same part. And I think I would absolutely lose my mind. <laughs> That's not why I came into the business. I came into the business to, to be this um, multifaceted creative.
0: All right, well, let's go back in time and have a little look about how you got into the business in the first place and was that at a time when did Big Finish come along soon after you were in the business or you'd been acting for a while?
1: I uh, started acting professionally when I was 19 because I left college with a diploma in performing arts at 19 and, and started then so I started with Big Finish 10 years later. Yeah, so I'd been going for a, lo- a long time, mostly in musical theatre, mostly doing sort of classic musicals and concerts and cabarets, a few nice plays uh, and a bit of voiceover work. Um, but, yeah, that big finish really opened the door to a whole new world of, of voice acting for me.
0: And you started off on a pretty major story with, uh, with as far as a Doctor Who fan is concerned, a bit of a legend, Nicholas Courtney. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Spectre of Lanyon Moore, What? how did you get into that in the first place and how did your big finish journey start?
1: It started as many of these um, big breaks, and I do see it as my big break in life because I never had anything else resembling a big break, but this little moment in time was for me. And it started because I was friends with Barnaby Edwards and Nick Pegg. Uh, I had worked with them both. No, I'd worked with Barnaby in a production of Macbeth, a really small-scale touring production of Macbeth. And we'd become great friends and I'd met Nick um, through Barnaby. And they just contacted me one day and said, do you want to come along and do one scene in this Doctor Who audio drama? And I had no idea what that was or what that meant. And I turned up and did this scene um, and James Bolan was in it and Colin Baker and, <laughs> and the Brig. And, and that was all a bit overwhelming. And I had such a brilliant day. I just loved it. And that's when I emailed Gary Russell, who was the producer and director, I think, or producer at the time. And and I said, look, I will do anything you want. I, I have no shame. I have no inhibition. I will make a total fool of myself doing any character you want. Uh, and so he took me at my word and, and carried on casting me as quite extreme alien voices for quite a long time after that. Brought me in several times to do those characters where you needed no inhibition, and you needed to be prepared to look a bit foolish and, and do some crazy stuff, and, and that became my niche for a while.
0: Because you were in the first uh, McGann story, which had some pretty unique yeah. aliens in it, weren't you?
1: Yes. That well, was you. The first three. Yeah, yeah. I was all three of those. <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs> what did you expect, Frailing? We knew nothing about these creatures, nothing at all. They've been bound for centuries, and now they're loose. Oh, my head. In the name of. On your feet, Tamworth Lord. On your feet. I declare now these humans here have made an unprovoked attack upon the Triskeli. I, the uncreator, say this act of aggression cannot go unpunished. Tamworth Lord. As ambassador for humankind, I tell you this: our states are now at war. <laughs> war? War. Don't you see, Tamworth, Rathbone, Engineer Prime? This is what the Uncreator wanted. This is what it wanted all along. <laughs> war! Uncreator.
1: I did the first three with Paul. We all went to Bristol to a, a studio there because he was living there. And, uh, yeah, no, it was quite a big deal. Like this, is, this was him testing the water to see if he was interested in doing this kind of thing. And, and we had a great, really great time.
0: So there must have been quite a high vibe going for that production in particular.
1: Yeah, the stakes were quite high because they really wanted him to, uh, to see what, what fun it could be which and of course you know, legend tells <laughs> as, as, as it clearly turned out he did have a great time and that's all down to me <laughs> <laughs> of course so thank you for the, for the eighth doctor series thank you <laughs> because that made it so fun for him <laughs>
0: <laughs> so was it was it before the McGann story that uh, tomorrow people came along or was that after where is that in the time scale or is it too long ago ah. to remember <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I tell you, I can remember it very clearly. That was after, and I remember it clearly because the first episode recorded on my 30th birthday. And it was the first time in my life that I had planned anything for my birthday that was significant. I had hired a house um, in Devon, in Cornwall, uh, for 10 of my friends and, and myself and my and my husband. And um, we were going to have this lovely country weekend. And as it turned out, I had to fly back from Penzance to London on the Sunday (laughs) because uh, I had to go and record because we used to record on a Sunday. And so we all went down on the Friday night. We had Saturday together in this lovely house. And then I flew away and then they all sang me happy birthday on the phone (laughs) because I was in the studio recording the Tomorrow People. But I had a feeling that it was something I needed to do. And of course, it then carried on for 10 years. So thank goodness. I was able to do that first one.
0: Did you write a couple of those yourself?
1: I did. I wrote Stunning the Tide. Um, I can't remember which season that was in, which series. And then I wrote another one called Tandem, which we recorded, but which was never released. uh, It was never completed, actually, in terms of the the post-production because we lost the license because the American TV series began. So that's somewhere in the ether, that's somewhere in the can with Nigel Fairs. (laughs) out there in the ether
0: do you know if there's ever uh, going to be any chance for that to be picked up again and maybe those old episodes re-released
1: it's been vaguely discussed a couple of times over the years i know in theory it's something that big finish might be interested in but i i don't think i don't think it will happen i think i think perhaps that that audience has changed And dwindled a little. Um, I mean, of course, we'd all absolutely love to do it again, but I can't quite see it happening. That's that's my gut instinct. But hopefully, I'll be proved wrong. You never know.
0: (laughs) Is the Tomorrow People the the series where you got to know Louise Jamieson really well?
1: Well, I did work with her. Obviously, she played my mother, but I had come to know her prior to that. We first met at a Doctor Who signing at uh, 10th planet i think the shop was called in north london and we were all signing big finish cds and i was sitting next to her on that occasion and we instantly hit it off and i remember going home and saying to my husband oh my god i've met this lovely actress and i used to watch her obviously in bergerac and eastenders and i remember watching her in bergerac and thinking oh god i would love to look like that (laughs) That's my goal, to, to look like that. Um, and then, of course, I met her and we became quite friendly. And then that, we didn't keep in touch. And then, weirdly, I can't I don't even know how this happened. I think I sent her a script. I think, well, somebody gave her a script of mine. I think I sent her a script and she, it was a play that I'd written. And then she phoned me a few weeks later and said she'd finally got around to, to reading it and did I want to meet to talk about writing her one woman show. Um, And of course we ended up working together and and I wrote Pulling Faces for her, which was this one woman uh, monologue that she took on tour. So yeah, and then we've just became the best of friends. I absolutely adore her. She's, she's just the best, the best of human beings. I can't fault her really.
0: I actually pulled out uh, Pulling Faces to have a listen before uh, coming on. So Oh. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was, it's kind of different to hear your, your, your Doctor Who stars in different settings, particularly if you're, yeah. if you're a Who fan. So, yeah, but yeah, yeah, all those, all those releases um, that are not Doctor Who from all those Doctor Who stars, they're all brilliant. Ooh. So, yeah. Really yeah, like I them. Think. So, and you've, you've gone on to collaborate even further with, with Louise, yes. with Louise. So, I'll, I want to talk to you about that before you go. But there was, yeah. there was one, story out of I, I when I searched your name like I said on the Big Finish website and 90 search results came up I thought oh no <laughs> what what am I gonna have a look at that's that's uh and, and focus on well there was one that stood out to me because I noticed that um that you've done a lot of singing in your career so yes. I wanted to have a have another listen to Doctor Who and the Pirates uh, oh, yeah. which was uh one of the I think it was. It's. I think it might be in the first fifty somewhere. Yeah. Um, and I had a listen to that earlier today, and uh, it's a, it's a very, very, it's it's something everyone should be listening to, I think, during (laughs) their periods of isolation, because it could make anyone smile. Yeah, possibly. Um, because it's it's interesting story. It's a comedy, but it's also very deep and dark as well. But we got to hear you singing, so. Give us some of your memories of that p- production because it's quite different to anything else that Big Finish normally does.
1: Yeah. yeah, I mean, they really invested in it because we needed a musical director and we needed to rehearse the singing. So I think we had a rehearsal, which is unheard of for Big Finish. And um, and I got to work with the fantastic Tim Sutton as the musical director. Uh, and he is now a very dear friend of mine and a fellow kind of musical theatre composer. And um, and we got to hear Colin Baker's real musical talent. I mean, he really is. I think he's done quite a lot of Gilbert and Sullivan, but he's got such a flair for that kind of work. And that was a joy to be around. Um, And yeah, I think I was a bit nervous to be singing in front of actor friends. It's quite a different genre. And if you're perceived as one thing and then suddenly you come out and and sing, it's quite exposing. Also, because it's on this very intense high definition recording so everyone can hear any flaws in your voice or any mistakes that you make it's not like singing on stage where you can blag it a bit this is something that people will hear over and over so i think i was very nervous yeah oh no you are going to sing
0: well yes i am I am the very model of a Gallifreyan buccaneer. I have information on all things a Gallifreyan holds, my dear. I've linked it to the Matrix through his circuitry. I understand dimensional and relative chronometry. I'm very well acquainted, too, with matters of the capital. I'll give you a verse and chapter on Penopticonian protocol. I've been into the death zone and I played the game of Rassilon. Rassilon? Asilon? Bassilon? Aha. With pestilential monsters that I got a lot of hassle from With pestilential monsters that I got a lot of hassle from With pestilential monsters that I got a lot of hassle from With pestilential monsters that I got a lot of, hassle from. A lot of hassle, hassle, from I understand each language and I speak every Can you tell from. me a little bit about Maggie Stables? Because she's a, she's a firm fan favourite when it comes mm-hmm. to Big Finish Companions um, What was she like uh, as a person? I can imagine what you're going to say, but give it to me yeah. anyway
1: well exactly what you imagine is true. She was delightful, warm, funny, clever, considerate, humble, um sharp. Everything that her character was really in the in the audios and yeah, just such a delightful uh, person encompassing everybody. There was nothing about her that was was closed off and yeah, I was always very happy to see Maggie in the green room. I would think, oh, I'm getting to work with Maggie today. Yeah, she was a delight.
0: Yeah. No, that's excellent. Tell us a bit about the Big Finish original series that you've been involved with called Atta Girl, which the, the first one came out quite a – it was a few years ago now, wasn't it? But the second one has just been released in the last month or so.
1: Yeah sure what year we did it was it 2017 2018 but uh, the first one but yes I mean that all came about in quite an unusual way because David Richardson and Louise Jameson Jameson um kind of uh, corralled me at a recording for something else they kind of got me off into a, a separate room and said oh we've got something we want to propose uh we've got this idea Louise has had this idea and she wants you to produce it and I said oh no I'm not a producer no no that's not what I do because I actually didn't understand what the producer's role was I thought the producer was more of a kind of administrative role and that um, I would be having to you know hire everyone and manage everything and that's yes I can do that stuff but I, I only do that stuff so that I can do the fun creative bit and then David explained to me that no the producer has the creative overview and gets the final say on you know how that all those stories are, are developed and then I thought um I still didn't really want to do it <laughs> but they persuaded me um and David actually said oh it won't you know it won't be that massive a project it won't be that big a job um because it's just an overview and you just have to read through the scripts etc etc but of course what he hadn't taken into account was the humongous amount of research that we had to do we all had to do i couldn't just sit there at the top also because i was writing one anyway we all had to do weeks and weeks of research so it became an all-consuming project for me in the end and and nearly killed me
0: (laughs) (laughs) how was it received
1: it had the most phenomenal reaction I mean, we did put our hearts and souls into it and we felt an, an enormous responsibility to tell those stories in a responsible way, in a respectful way and to make them uh, obviously as engaging and, and impactful as we could. Um, and all that heart and energy and passion that went into it, I think, could be felt. There was something tangible about that, that the listener could feel. And um, yeah, I mean, really, it's been a phenomenal Reaction to the stories and to the, the the awareness of these real life women who who were so incredibly brave and unusual and unsung.
0: Tell us about the the most recent release of Ada Girl. Is it is it Ada Girl or ATA Girl?
1: It's Ada Girl. Yeah. 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 Um, it's Ada Girl too. Um, yeah, we didn't know if we were going to get a second series because obviously Big Finish has a very particular audience, and um, yes. Doctor Who listeners are very into the historical side of that programme, uh, but it didn't necessarily follow that they were then going to want to listen to a historical original drama. Um, and so it kind of was dependent on on sales, as these things are. You can't invest in a production unless you know you're going to get uh, the money back, uh, or uh, the, you know, at the very least, ideally, you would make a profit. And so we finally kind of got to that stage with the first series where they realised that it was worthwhile doing a second one and so we um that was pitched to us by david richardson again but this time it was a reduction in the budget so it was a two-parter uh and then louise and i kind of said all right well we can keep this simple and just write it ourselves because when you've got other writers on board it's uh, it's a fantastic addition to the creative energy but it's also a lot more to manage so we felt we could keep it self-contained we could thought we could keep it very streamlined that way.
0: Do you think that there might be more of these a Girl series being released, or are you waiting to see how this one gets received?
1: Well, I mean, obviously the timing of the release of this one has been slightly problematic because it was at the start of a global pandemic. <laughs> so I don't know that many people are wanting to to invest in, um, in original audio drama, but I think the longer this goes on, I, I think the audio drama is... It's such a burgeoning industry and um, people will be looking for other forms of entertainment the longer this this lockdown continues. Um, but in terms of whether there's more, I don't know. I mean, I, I think Louise and I feel that we've kind of explored it a lot and we've told a lot of the stories that we wanted to tell. But of course, if there was a, a, a big appetite for more, of course, there could be more. And of course, we would be happy to do more.
0: So I'm trying to get the scoop here. The, um, the script that you're working on for three years' time, is that, uh, is that one of these Big Finish um, originals? No. No? No. So we have to guess.
1: No. <laughs> I'm not allowed to say. It's more than my jobs worth.
0: <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. All right, well, th- thank you very much for sharing some of your um, recollections and insights on on the massive work that you do for Big Finish. Your <laughs> You're you one almost you're almost one of the originals
1: yeah, in the big Finish yeah. family. You've
0: been there that long.
1: I'm one of the first women that you know was taken on as a director and a writer. I think Lisa Lisa Bauman was the first, um, and then I was uh, was uh, one of the one of the early ones as well. And it it feels like an enormous privilege. I, I had a very difficult journey as a performer because I wasn't. An archetype. I didn't fit any particular mould, and I always wanted to be constantly challenged, as I've said. And to have landed up in a a company that I love so much, the people are wonderful, the projects are wonderful. There's constant creative flow, and I feel very, very privileged to be in the position that I'm in. I worked hard to get here, but but I do feel lucky.
0: From Big Finish Productions, an original drama, Girl from the sky today.
1: You can't scare me anymore. Commander. David, what's wrong? A Luftwaffe attack force is heading for the airfield. A big one. Oh, Lord. We don't have long to prepare. Officer King, bring the ATA pilots here, please, as quickly as possible. And you accuse me of heartlessness? This is no time for photographs. Well, that's where you're wrong. This is exactly what the papers want, what history needs
0: you have my back?
1: No! Oh no! Spilling, falling! Oh, Peanut! She'll be back soon. We'll get you mended. I oh, want oh, my mum. Oh. Of course you do. Look at you. You're changing lives. We're all here doing this incredible job because of you. Yes, and is it wonderful you had to jump out of an airplane whilst being shot at? (laughs) Well, that was an ideal. You think you can fix this? You can't repair something like this. It's all broken. You think these people will recover from this? From seeing their friends blowed up? I'm afraid I have some very bad news, Officer Lloyd.
0: What? Oh, no, no. No, no.
1: I was terribly fond of her. We all were. The forces of Germany have surrendered to the United Nations. The facts of
0: freedom fly all over Europe. I pray that peace be now restored to the world and that God will preserve it always. Big Finish. We love stories. We certainly do. And a big thank you to Helen Goldwyn for, for coming on and uh, sharing some of your thoughts and recollections and uh, stories about your time with Big Finish. It's, uh, it truly was a privilege speaking with you, Helen. So thank you so much. And if you want to find out more about Helen, go to helengoldwyn.com and uh, just do a search for Helen on the Big Finish website. You'll get all the projects that she's been involved with Minus, of course, the tomorrow people because they're not available anymore. But uh, a huge, huge body of work with Big Finish. So, just a reminder give us your audio feedback at anchor.fm/sirens of audio. Uh, give us some feedback on The Kingmaker, which will be the subject of our next episode, where I've got uh, guest Mark Cochran from Nerdology UK coming on to chat with me about that, one of his favorite Big Finish audios. And I do have a Facebook page now for the Sirens of Audio. So look us up and uh, join in with the fun, the frivolity and the love of all things audio. So until next time, remember to listen to audio drama because audio drama rocks.